Wow, what's up? All I can do is keep playing songs that have to do with Texas in my head. I don't even like most of the songs. Going back to Texas for the second time in a month. Didn't think that was going to be on the itinerary for the end of 2021 and 2022. But hey, here we are, Montana State, on a hell of a run, on one of the best runs I've ever seen. A football team beyond. Bobcats heading to the FCS National Championship game. Saturday, we're less than a week away. I'm recording this on Wednesday the 5th. Saturday the 8th, MSU takes on North Dakota State. For all the marbles, NDSU has won eight of the last nine national championships at the FCS level. Montana State into the championship round for the first time since 1984. I'm Coulter Nuanas. You can always find the Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Coming to you through the ESPN Radio Studios, Missoula Broadcasting Company. Appreciate all the collaboration and the wonderful partnership we've had from Skyline Sports and ESPN Missoula. Biggest year of our lives when it comes to business and exposure, and uh, we couldn't have done it without all of you out there listening along. And of course, the success of football teams for both the Grizz and the Bobcats this year certainly played a huge role as well in our growth and our continued uh, expansion as we continue to try to build a new age media company that we hope all you guys enjoy and it seems as if you're enjoying the hell out of it because the numbers are great the subscriptions are great and we really appreciate all you being here this Big Sky Breakdown presented in part by Blackfoot Communications and in part by Alpine Touch features a couple usual suspects myself and Brooks Nuanez broke it down for you a little collaboration it's also a segment we're going to play on my ESP radio show Nuanas now you can find that SWX Montana television as well as ESPN radio and you can stream it 1029espn.com or watch us on YouTube as well. All the different ways you can think of possibly consuming a show, we got it for you, but we're live four to six every day. You can also listen to that podcast as well, but a little collaboration segment that we are going to play later on this week on Nuanas Now, but share with you here on the Big Sky Breakdown with myself and Brooks Nuanas. We also caught up with our best weekly contributor, Ty Gregorak, a guy who spent 15 plus years as a college football coach in the state of Montana. Coached 12 years for the Grizzlies, three years for the Bobcats. He recruited a lot of these guys at Montana State and also recruited, uh, excuse me, he helped develop and coach a lot of these guys as well. So this is a team he's very proud of and he has a lot of great reverence for and he expressed that in our segment. And then we also are going to hear from a couple other collaborative segments that will also air on ESPN Radio. Mike Kramer, longtime Big Sky Conference football member, played at Idaho in the 70s, coached at Montana State in the 80s, was the defensive line coach and then the defensive coordinator on Dave Arnold's staff when the Bobcats won the 1984 National Championship. Then Kramer was the head coach at Eastern Washington before returning to Montana State, led the Bobcats from 2000 until 2006 and uh, then finished his career at Idaho State, a guy that follows this stuff heavily and one of the best talkers and storytellers you're going to find anywhere. Mike Kramer will join us. And then a true pleasure, Dan Davies, a guy who's been a part of Montana State Athletics since the early 1970s, first as a player, then as a coach, and then for the last 20 plus years as an athletic administrator. He's currently an associate AD at MSU and also probably most familiar to you listeners out there. He was the color commentator for the Bobcat radio broadcast and has been doing the sidelines here the last couple years as well. He's an outstanding advocate and liaison and ambassador for Montana State. And what a fitting way to end his outstanding career. Dan Davies announced his retirement, so this will be his last full-time at least working trip. I can't imagine Dad's going to be able to distance himself too much from a place he loves so much and has meant so much to him in his life. But Dan Davies also joins us to talk a little history because he had a front row seat for Montana State's 1976 championship. He had a front row seat as an assistant coach in 1984 and he's seen and been a part of all of the last 37 years between that 84 championship and this run to the national title game. So great stories, great insight from Dan as well. Big Sky Breakdown presented in part by Alpine Touch and in part by Blackfoot Communications. I'm Coulter Nuanas. Thanks so much for listening. 
We are on our way to Dallas, Texas to make it to Frisco, Texas, but we're not really fully solidified on what day we're leaving or what the shows are going to entail. All you need to know is we're going to have Nuanas now every day of the first week of January, and we're going to have multiple Big Sky breakdowns for you leading up to the FCS National Championship game between Montana State and North Dakota State. So regardless of what we're recording this for, we're sitting here on a Tuesday, and I'm with Brooks Nuanas, SkyOnSportsMT.com, my business partner and uh, the guy that we've been doing this together with for quite some time. And so, Brooks, we're going to start right there. We're less than a week away from the National Championship, and the National Championship game includes the Montana State Bobcats. And uh, the existence of the Bobcats in the hierarchy of the Montana sports world is so fascinating because you and I both have believed in the potential of what the Montana State football program could become. And already was at a, at a high level when we first launched Skyline Sports and first started doing this together. Yet, even though we harbor national championship expectations for both the Bobcats and the Grizzlies every year, and we think that the expectation should be to be at least in the contention for, if not at this exact point, it still seems wild to me that Montana State plays North Dakota State for the national championship game on Saturday. It's crazy. Yeah, of course it's wild. I mean... We have those high expectations, but they have not been realized for the better part of, you know, a decade and a half. I mean, it's been a long time. And um, a lot of times those expectations, I think, Coulter, right, they they reside on the reason or the purpose that Montana and Montana State get to play home games in the state of Montana, which is just such a huge advantage in the FCS. So in my head, it's always that you have seven wins, you know, you just get you get to start the season with seven wins. It's a really good place to be and then you hope you can win you know half of them on the road and then you have 10 wins and then you play in the playoffs the entire way home and the semifinals you beat a good team like south dakota state in front of you know the most impressive crowd in bobcat stadium history and and that's just how it works right that's that's how the function of the systems in place work that's not always the case right i mean this is a high level division one football so uh it doesn't always get to play out like that but that's kind of where those expectations come from but nonetheless it is it is crazy um that montana state has, has has continued to climb and get better under different coaches and, and different different regimes, different styles, different quarterbacks. At the end of the day, you know, we always talk about the man, the myth, the legend. They have a guy like Troy Anderson, so you always hope that he can end his career, or you always think that it'll probably end up somewhere on the mountaintop, whether it's at the very top or not. Uh, it's going to be up there. So those kind of things definitely play in, but crazy nonetheless to say that Montana State is playing for a national championship game, especially after a season of opting out, having a bunch of sixth-year seniors roll over. You know, you, you could add all of the spices to this pot that you want, but it does, it's not going to make it much better than it already is. One of the, there's been a couple of common questions that I've gotten during this break. And I think that it's been at the same time, fascinating and kind of excruciating to have to have this break because you're in football mode and, and, and make no mistake. It was, it was wonderful being with the family and friends over the holidays and, and spending Christmas with your kids and, and, you know, multiple generations of our family. And, and that, that, that stuff's awesome, man. That's what life's all about. Always super fun. But, you know, the break was also, you know, sort of this this absence of, of the thrill that we get from covering football games. But it's also cause for a lot of commentary, a lot of conversation. And, and I think that the two biggest questions I've been asked over the last couple weeks, the, the number one question I've been asked by people around the state of Montana is, does Montana State have a chance? My answer is that resoundingly, hell yes, Montana State has a chance. They already beat the defending national champion in Huntsville, Texas. Oh, by the way, Sam Houston has never lost a playoff home game. Who's beat... North Dakota State, five times. North Dakota State's got 12 losses since 2011. Five of them are to who? South Dakota State. Who'd Montana State just beat? And like you just said, 
The Bobcats got Troy Anderson. Nobody else does. The Bobcats also have several other guys that I think will be among, if not the most talented players in this game. So from an individual talent perspective and a momentum perspective and just like the, the, the notion of a team of destiny perspective, all those things, Montana State absolutely has a chance in this football game. They absolutely have a chance for sure I, I, I would you know i'm not betting that well i am i'm gonna sprinkle it everywhere i'm gonna sprinkle it all over the table i'm gonna roulette this thing right out there there's montana sports bet all over all 36 chips are gonna be laid down there but regardless montana state has what i like to call more a puncher's chance you know i think that the fact that they can hang in there if a couple things go right you know i said it against the south dakota state game for montana state that if they if they win if they control the time of possession I think they have a chance in any game. A big part of Montana State's success will come from their stars, which is a really cool way to watch football, especially for people who don't know tons about the X's and O's. It's so funny that every coach in the country says, well, the way we're going to win this thing is win the turnover battle and have a special teams, outstanding special teams play. Montana State doesn't even play special teams for some reason. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's for whatever reason, they don't return kicks and they just smother people on kickoffs and they just then go out and play. It's not even like a really part of their identity, which for a team with scrappers and walk-ons, it, I I don't know how it's not, but it's really not. They don't have a special teams coach. Maybe that's part of it. But those kind of things aren't going to necessarily play as much. Well, they don't even have guys that – there's only a couple, like, upstart guys on the special teams units. Like, when they line up for an opening kickoff, that's the, one of the biggest flexes that anybody in the country has. Because Jeffrey Manning and Trey Webb and Daniel Hardy and – Ty Okada and Callahan O'Reilly and I mean I'm naming Montana State's starting defense that's the kick coverage unit it's not like the upstart walk-on from Glasgow or whatever like RJ Fitzgerald is like the only kind of like underdog guy on the whole special teams kick coverage and punt coverage units oh by the way though he's like a multiple time state champion slash one of the toughest guys on the team and definitely like one of the enforcers on the team and like hard to say he's an underdog when he's definitely one of the toughest toughest dudes they got on their squad so it is it's, it's fascinating and and that's the thing I think that in Montana, so much of the narrative around the Montana schools has always been steeped in the underdog mentality and the guys that go from walk-ons to All-Americans and then make it to the NFL and, and pretty much to a man. There hasn't really been any guys that were like prodigies in high school that then were stars all through college and then made it to the NFL. Almost every dude from Montana or Montana State made it from the from you know the bottom to the top, started as a partial scholarship or a walk-on guy, and then ended up developing all the way to get drafted. So we love that part of the narrative, and we we cling to that part of the narrative. I think the hardest part for, for the observers to understand about Montana State, and it's why I've been sitting here pounding the table since the end of the 2019 season, I got destroyed at the Big Sky kickoff because in the media poll for the Big Sky Conference, there's 38 voting media members. Montana State got one first place vote. Who was that from? Us, Skyline Sports. Why did I pick the Bobcats to win the league? They got more better players than everybody else. That's it. They have more superior talent than everybody else. It's the most talented team that we've ever covered. And so, uh, you know, and that's not to take away from any of the other elements of this, the continuity, the execution, the discipline, all that stuff. But to answer my own question, well, you got Troy Anderson there. And oh, by the way, you got Chase Benson. And oh, by the way, you got Daniel Hardy. And oh, by the way, you got Amandre Williams and Sebastian Valdez and Ty Okada and Lewis Kidd and Tara Tuyasasopo and Isaiah Afonso and Lance McCutcheon. I just named nine dudes who are first-team All-American caliber players. Very few programs, period, North Dakota State included, have that level of talent. 
a ton of talent across the board. I mean, as you said, Colter, and we'll see how the, you know we'll see how uh, Tommy Touchdown can play. You know, I mean, it's going to be a, a, a huge element of it, and a lot of that momentum they've been rolling with is is, is due to the quarterback play. Got a young kid, uh, somehow a freshman. Even though I, everyone says he's a freshman, he's been there for three years. I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know how that exactly works. I get that there's math involved, which I'm not going to do on the on the air here, but n- here nor there, a lot of it will fall down on if if Tommy. Malak can be productive. Um, if Tommy Malak can hit some of the deep shots that he's hit consistently, I have this little narrative in my head, Coulter, that it's been really funny to 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 play out. It's almost like a it's like a, a mental block. I have this issue where I see someone like Lance McCutcheon, and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember him. He was like a pretty okay walk on from from Montana. You know, he maybe got a little money, never played three four years in the program. I, I don't probably think he's going to make it, and then has the best statistical season in Montana State history at wide receiver. And every time I see him, I'm still like, oh yeah yeah, Lance McCutcheon, I know him. I have to remember that on film and in the national landscape, he's one of the you know probably top ten receivers in the country. Um, those kind of things like play out when there's that familiarity. Sometimes uh, you have to remember that that people elevate and people get so much better, especially through a, a season like this where practice and momentum play such a big part into it. And clearly coach vegan has the practice schedule down because this team has continued to get better, which is always a sign of a good team. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been really interesting and, and cool to watch. Uh, you know, I think the beginning at the top was did the Montana state Bobcats have a chance. I think they do. You want us now ESPN radio, big sky breakdown skyline sports, we'll cross promotion. We're going to use these in both different areas because we're talking about one subject, so might as well give you the best of the best. Brooks Nuanas joining us here on both entities. I'm Coulter Nuanas. It's uh, the first week of January. It's FCS National Championship Game Week. Uh, Brooks, the other thing that's so interesting to me is that North Dakota State has basically had a standing vacation in Frisco, Texas for a decade. You and I went down there to cover NDSU at the the, the end of the, the last iteration of NDSU before Matt Entz took over, and we watched Easton Stick and Robbie Grimsley and Jabril Cox, and Darius Shepard, and arguably the greatest version of NDSU over this 10-year run, beat Eastern Washington in the national championship. Well, among the most fascinating parts of what we saw while we were down in Texas last time was all the exterior, the tailgate scene that exists for NDSU. We were staying at a hotel right, right across the street from the stadium, and we met this whole crew of North Dakota State people, like 50 of them, and in North Dakota, you know, North Dakota people are very much like Montana people. Hey, how you doing? They say hi to their neighbors, whatever. And these people were like, they saw you carrying your camera equipment. And they're like, oh, you guys covering the game? Yeah. So we talked to them a little bit, talked to them about Skyline Sports and told them about, you know, covering the big sky or whatever. But you asked them, you said, what, uh, do you guys always stay at this hotel? And they said, oh yeah, we already got our reservations booked for next year. Like it's fully expected. Like people just know that they're going to be going back to Frisco. And that's part of the reason that the, the tickets surrounding this event have been such a fiasco. Because so many of the tickets got sold months before this game ever happened because the NDSU people knew either one, we're going back to Frisco, or two, if by chance that doesn't happen, we can just sell them to whatever fan base is trying to buy them and we'll make money. But either way, that phenomenon is like completely unique, right? The fact that like the tailgating travels, like not only has the program been there before and a lot of the players have been there before, but the whole entire organization, like they take the Fargo Dome and just move it 2,000 miles to the south for the first weekend of January every single year. That's wild. And I think it's a huge dynamic in this game because like you said, Montana State has been riding it, playing in front of uh, their home crowd and, and, and really excelling at home, going undefeated at home this year. But now... It's going to be the opposite. Both teams make a huge trek across the country, but one squad is going to have a whole bunch of support while they're down there in Texas. It is crazy to walk up and down the North Dakota State tailgates. It is, there's hundreds of RVs 
Um, there's people in the most amazing outfits. There's drinking involved. You know, North, <laughs> North Dakotans like to say hello to their neighbor as well as drink, a lot like Montanans. One thing that I think is a misnomer, Colter, and, and I don't want to make this a sleeping statement because uh, North Dakota State's presence at the game, at the venue, is so massive. Within the stadium, it's not much more than a 50-50 split. It's a 60-40 kind of split because of the way that they relegate tickets to schools to sell. The NCAA just doesn't give North Dakota State 90% of the tickets. It's not how it works. The opposing team gets an allotment of tickets, and if they don't sell them all, then they obviously go to North Dakota State fans or into the open market. But in in theory, like when you look, there's sections, right? There's not going to be like just a smattering of you're not going to be a Bobcat fan and go sit next to a bunch of North Dakota State people. There's se- it's sectioned out, and like when we went and watched Eastern North Dakota State, I would say the north end zone, the south end zone, and the west side were all North Dakota State fans. The entire east side was all Eastern Washington fans. More or less, there's going to be a good presence of Montana State fans. I've had multiple people text me, say, hey, are you going to Frisco? I say, yeah, I'll be down there. They say, me too. I'm leaving Friday. I'm like, this guy's going? If this guy's going, who else is going? My, my, one of my managers at, at, a, at a company I work for outside of this told me that he paid 450 bucks a ticket and that him and his girlfriend are going. And I was like, you're going to that game? So I think it's really important to remember that while the presence and the tailgating, the momentum and the support is huge, within the game, it's relatively loud for both teams. I'm not going to lie. We've seen it. Stand up and cheer. We got the Vim. There will be a lot of people down there from Montana State side of things, no question about it. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, doubling up your Nuanas Now. Also, Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Appreciate you being with us throughout this season. It's been an awesome season uh, for a variety of different reasons. So I really appreciate everybody riding along with us. Uh, Brooks, let's talk about the other uh, question I've gotten throughout the last several weeks. Not only the number one question was, the Montana State have a chance? Number two question, which we've already dissected a lot on the show, so we won't necessarily go down that rabbit hole too much, but was uh, just the three-week break and the advantages and disadvantages of that. Uh, For Montana State, you can get some guys back, but also can you carry the momentum? For NDSU, that's three weeks to prepare for a guy like Tommy Malott. And also, they have the formula down because they've been in this situation so often. The other prevalent question I've gotten is, where does this story rank among the craziest stories or the most unlikely stories or just the richest, most uh, poignant stories that have, have happened in Montana? And I think it's right up there, particularly in my career, but even in my life. But uh, I'll leave it open for you. Where does this story rank? It has to be at least among already the great stories in Montana history. Yeah, the Butte thing plays into it a lot, you know, with time a lot. You've talked about this already, Coulter, about the, you know, the interest in kind of the rise and fall of both Montana schools throughout their years of, um, you know, when, when things are good, Butte's usually involved in it. And that's a really cool part of, of, in the fabric of football in the state of Montana. So with that being the case in, in this, in this game as well, or in this journey, the last, four or five months, especially the last month for the Montana State Bobcats. It certainly is, is quite a story. You know, the freshman from Butte, uh, you know, riding his white horse into the great state of Texas to take on, you know, the greatest the greatest college football dynasty of all time. Yeah, it, it's up there. You put me on the spot. So, you know, thinking and ranking them. I mean, I have a lot of uh, of, of great... Like, I'll give you some of the nominees. So, the, the Lady Grizz team that's so... Uh, unforgettable because they all on the poster the team poster they're all wearing their montana letter jackets because every single person on the team was from montana except for one young lady and they went to the sweet 16 that's a pretty epic story in in the the landscape of montana sports that's like early 90s grizz winning the 95 national championship uh, has got to be up there Uh, and and those are kind of the only two that really are comparable in my lifetime Um, i think that you could say maybe todd foster the great falls native who who climbed his way up to become the middleweight champion of the world in boxing is, is definitely 
one of the best stories of the last 40 years. I mean, Scott Manch from the Great Falls Tribune said that that was his number one sports moment uh, of of the, the century, so to speak, of his sports writing career when he came on the ESPN Roundtable a little while back. And, uh, you know, then you got like Eric Burgess winning a gold medal, come from Missoula. But, you know, I mean, to bookend it with Jim Sweeney leading the Bobcats into the Big Sky era as a coach from Butte and the statue that sits out front of Bobcat Stadium is of Sonny Holland. And the only other guy that's ever going to have a statue next to Coach Holland is Troy Anderson. And he touches the Sonny Holland statue before he walks into the stadium every single day. And then the guy who's finally helping Troy Anderson fulfill his potential is a kid from Butte, Montana. And then you wrap in a pandemic and the Grizz Slayer bailing before the season and the dude who's going to lead you to the promised land being a disciple from Goliath's backyard and then the team that you might topple is the undefeated dynasty. I think it's the greatest story of the modern era in Montana sports history if Montana State wins the game on Saturday. I think that's fair, especially if you put it in the modern time. I mean, it's it's going to be right up there. There's some really cool NFL stories, Colter, that we talk about quite a bit. Uh, the Jerry Kramer, Pat Donovan stories are, are quite outrageous. You know, I, I mean, the freshman on the white horse riding down to Texas to play in the, in the FCS National Championship game, I get it. Like, Jerry Kramer was winning multiple Super Bowls for the most storied franchise in the NFL history. You know, like, that kind of stuff is really impressive. I always like to think back on on the the, the, the folk tales and the lore of Wayne Estes and the stories that I heard about growing up as a kid. I mean, they're really impressive stories. In the modern era... For what these programs have been kind of battling through it and where they're at now, and it, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard to argue. Um, you know, I being a Big Sky uh, Missoula Big Sky High School graduate, I'm always a, a Larry Kristoviak fan as well, and he had quite a run um, through his time in the NBA as well as a coach. But for a one season, one story, one breath, it's probably pretty hard to beat. You're right. There's so many great rich stories. I mean, Bill Kohler being drafted as the number one overall pick in the American Football League draft by the Chicago Fire and them trying to to basically um, hide him in a hotel room for days so that the NFL guys couldn't get a hold of him. And then he still becomes a first-round draft pick in the NFL, the first ever from the big sky, and still to this day one of only two. That's unbelievable. You know, Shane Collins being a three-time NCAA champion in the shot put and having a chance to go to the Olympics, but instead becoming a second-round draft pick for Joe Gibbs, Washington Redskins team, and then winning a Super Bowl as a rookie. Unbelievable. The fact that they built a 30,000-seat boxing arena in Shelby, Montana, to host a heavyweight championship fight. That, I said this on the show on Monday, I don't care what story ever happens in Montana again. The fact that oil barons from the East Coast wanted to make Shelby, Montana the Tulsa of the High Line, and they built a 30,000-seat arena to host the preeminent sporting event on the earth at the time, and then the fact that that sporting event went so poorly that they lost so much money that they basically sacrificed the entire financial future of the entire region of the Montana High Line. That's the single craziest story in the history of Montana sports. There's never going to be a crazier one than that one, but but I'm just talking just the, just the, the feel-good nature of it, but also just the crazy confluence of events, right? Like Ryan Davis, one of our favorite guys, we know his family really well. He said, like, if, you, if you're talking about the spirits talking to you, the way that they came together in this moment, it, it's, it's unexplainable. It's almost as if it is destiny. Yeah, the way that it's that it's really broken down is you couldn't have said it better. I mean, it, it's it's quite the onion to peel to peel and and take apart. I, when I think back on the stories too, there was a time, it, gosh, Colton, it had to be two thousand eight, where a bunch of lowly uh, high school kids at Missoula Big Sky took down Brock Oswell and the Flathead Braves. But that's here nor there. There's some great stories within uh, the fabric of Montana sports, and this definitely has to be one of them. 
I mean, hell, once upon a time, I blocked Jeff Edwards' shot at the Butte Civic Center. It's one of my only two block shots in my entire varsity career. Jeff Edwards is 6'10". It's the greatest moment of my basketball life. I'm 6'1". <laughs> Regardless, so it is, it's awesome. It's super fun. And, and we, we've talked so much about the ins and outs of all of this and, and the matchups and, and all of that. But uh, uh, just any last thoughts on, on this national championship game before it, it commences? I mean, I guess I'll, I'll give you the, the hypothetical that I've given everyone all week. Not really in the business of making one side or the other predictions this time of year in these scenarios. So I'll give you this. North Dakota State wins if, and Montana State wins if. What say you? Well, Montana State wins if Tommy Mallott is, is, the, is the superhero that he's been. I don't think it can be anything less. I don't think Tommy Mallott can carry the ball 11 times and you know not throw it all that well and then have a chance. I think Ty Mallott's going to carry the ball 30 times and he's going to throw it all over the place. And I think it's going to be on Ty Mallott's shoulders, which is so much to say for a kid in his position to have to bear. But I think that really is going to be the case. You know, Montana State has to play well across the board, but that, that's going to be the defining factor. And North Dakota State, it, it, I don't think there is a defining factor. I think I think if North Dakota State gets out early and often, like they have been on every single team they've ever played in Frisco, I mean, they just smother teams to start. And then usually teams find their groove and can actually kind of hang a little bit. But if North Dakota State gets a fast start and gets up by more than a, than a score, you know, 10, 10 to 14 points, I think that they'll ride and cruise to a victory no matter how, uh, you know, the middle of the game goes. So fast start for North Dakota State and, and time a lot the man. Nuanas now, double time. Brooks Nuanas joining us here on ESPN Radio. Can't wait to make our way to Frisco, Texas. We'll have full coverage for you here on Nuanas now on the Big Sky Breakdown podcast, SkylineSportsMT.com, all the way across the board. Going to be an outstanding weekend. Going to be a fun football game, and it's been a phenomenal football season. So thanks to everybody for riding with us. And uh, Brooks, thanks so much for being here today on Nuanas now. I mean, the time traveling that we all do, somehow we're playing a, a one season in a different year. I don't know how it always works, but th- this is the way that it, it, it's structured. And here we go, 2021, living in 2022. At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond. Through Blackfoot sponsorships, local ambassadors, and public programs, we support initiatives such as the Emergency Broadband Benefit, Fiber Deployments, and Community Events. For information on our commitment to improving our communities with fast, reliable, and secure internet access, go to blackfootcommunications.com slash news. Big Sky Breakdown rolls on. Coulter Nuanas. You can always find Big Sky Breakdown, Skyline Sports, MT.com. Also, you can listen to this most of the time, at least excerpts from it, on Nuanas Now, my daily radio show, 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as SWX Montana Television. You can also stream it, 1029ESPN.com, or you can find it on the podcast. But as we have all football season, we're joined again by Ty Gregorak, longtime college football coach, and now one of our head analysts here at Skyline Sports. And uh, Ty, it's crazy to be sitting here the first week of January and tacking football still, but it's also, I think both of us would agree, what we expect and what we hope for at least one of the two Montana schools. And uh, if you think back to November 20th, I don't think that we thought that the Montana school that was... uh, that is still alive would be the one that was still alive. But here we are in, in Montana State, heading to Frisco, Texas. One of the great runs 
that we've seen in the FCS playoffs and definitely one of the greatest runs in the history of Montana State football. Uh, so crazy the, the way that the last month or so has played out. But I mean, it, it almost seems surreal, but at the same time fitting that Montana State is playing in Frisco against North Dakota State. There's all sorts of different layers to this story. But uh, even with you know a, a regular season loss at the end of the year to Montana, this MSU team, we've been talking about how these guys have been on a mission. They have a lot of veteran players that have expected this to be their destiny. And now here they are playing for a national championship. So at the same time, it sort of seems surreal and fitting. Uh, I know you had a, a big hand in recruiting some of these guys to Montana State and you coached a lot of them when they were younger players. So what do you think of just Montana State making it this far in this run the Bobcats have gone on? Well, it's incredible. And um, I, I, I like what you say there. It's, it, it's surreal and both fitting because, you know, as you and I talked uh, about throughout the season, we always were kind of questioning just how good they are, you know, mostly mostly because of the quality of opponent that they were playing. So you're sitting there going, okay, they're taking care of business week in, week out. But, you know, okay, how good was, you know, how good was Northern Colorado? How good was um, – Cal Poly and the teams that they were, you know, essentially rolling. So it's awesome. Uh, I, I, mean, I like what you said there about we all hope that uh, one of the teams can be playing uh, in January. And there's a lot of fans in this state that expect that, even though those are crazy expectations because it's so hard to get get here. I mean, just look at look at the Cats. It's been a long time. I mean, shoot, it's been a long time since Montana made a national championship run. And even then, you know, with the playoffs changing the way they did, we when we were making our national championship runs, we were always doing it before Christmas. I mean, it was already over by now. We, we, we weren't doing this, you know, post-New Year's uh, championship game. So it's incredible. It's been an incredible journey for a new coaching staff, a coaching staff, you know, starting with a head coach that has some ties to this opponent, um, this, this team in the Bobcats that have faced these guys. Uh, you know, two, two, two years of the last three years in the playoffs and, and got manhandled, you know, and so and then and then kind of like you and I were talking before the show, shoot, Frisco's basically become Fargo South. I mean, it's it's uh, NDSU fans are probably buying tickets early and there'll be a lot of a lot of green and yellow and it should be a, an awesome Saturday. And I, I just I think it's it's awesome that that MSU has done this with the first year head coach and, and some of these guys that have overcome a lot of adversity. And you're right, I, I did uh, help recruit a lot of these kids and know them personally and know some of the uh, situations and back backgrounds that they come from. And I'm just I'm so thrilled and excited for them that they get to go play one one more game together as a team and, 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 you know, if they, if they go play well, you know, hopefully hoist a a trophy. So much of success in college football, and you know this, there's there's so many different elements that go into it. You know the, the the common things we talk about like team chemistry and continuity, and you know coaching and and, and specific decisions throughout a season. That all goes into it. There's also uh, an element of luck that goes into it. Uh, but there's also sometimes you just need the timing to align. It's just like anything in life. Timing is key. And um, you know it's so interesting. People have asked me so many different hypothetical questions. Like would Montana State be here if Jeff Choate was still the head coach? I don't think anybody knows the answer to that. But I do think that Brent Vegan was the perfect guy at the perfect time for a perfect roster. I don't know if any other scenario could have existed. Like, let's say Vegan took this thing over right after 2019. I don't know if that if this would have been the success Montana State would have had. I think that like that elongated break 
into then uh, having a guy that's so much different than Choate take over is huge. I've also heard the the, the notion of, well, would MSU be undefeated or the number one team in the country if they would have played Tommy Malad all year? I don't know if that's true either because Montana State's had this crazy, unique element of surprise in this quarterback that no one's ever seen before until the playoffs, sort of taking the country by storm. But also, you couldn't give a quarterback 34 carries in a semifinal game if he would have had 250 carries on the tires already uh, from a whole season worth of work. So there's all these crazy confluence of events, and I think that's what makes this story so spectacular because in a lot of ways, the Montana State certainly deserves to be here. I have thought Montana State was among, if not the most talented teams in the country since the beginning of the season. I voted them number one overall in my preseason national poll. I picked them to win the Big Sky. And honestly, they didn't even live up to either of those, but they could if they they stamp it with a national championship win. But so much of this, though, too, is just the confluence of events, the fact that things have lined up and fallen into place for Montana State as well. And I think that's what makes this run so unique and so special. It is. And, you know, Coach Choate did an unbelievable job of, of building this team. You can't you can't deny it. I think that it was very smart of Brent Vegan to keep a few of the guys that helped in that process. A guy like Kyle Reisinger, who, who works in the secondary. Jimmy Beal, who's been around and, and, and knows the team. Brian Armstrong, who helped build one of the best offensive lines in, in FCS and has, and has proven so. And then, and then going to Coach Vegan himself, right fit, right time. You're, you're talking about a guy that knows the blueprint because he played and coached at, at, you know, right now and over the last decade, the best FCS school in the country. So he knows what it looks like, build it to gain it. And I think that, you know, just all those things that we're talking about are why we're, why you and I are having this conversation today. He was the right fit at the right time. And they've got one more game to try to capitalize on all of that. And it, it's going to be an unbelievable Saturday morning. It also does seem fitting, right, that they're playing North Dakota State. And, and, you know, you know Troy Anderson from recruiting him and coaching him. And I've gotten to know Troy ever since, you know, covering him in, in high school and, and then throughout what has been a, a truly a, a peerless career at Montana State. But as you know, Troy, you know, he's not Mr. Media. In fact, I think he, he hates doing it. But the thing that's been so magical to watch this last month is that Troy has such great perspective that you can tell that he knows that this is the last ride. So he's been hamming it up at the press conferences a little bit. He's been giving it up to the reporters. He's been BSing with us a little bit. And and that's been fun to see. But I asked him on third last Thursday, I said, you know, last question for you, Troy. You get one more shot at Goliath. You get one more shot to slay the Giant. Doesn't this seem fitting that for the third season in a row, you guys get to play North Dakota State? And he just gave me that quintessential Troy Anderson smirk. And he said, absolutely. We wouldn't have it any other way. And I can't wait. So it just, it just seems so storybook that they, they are the team now to bookend this decade that has a legitimate shot to, to slay the dragon to knock off the team that has dominated the FCS for so long. Well, it is, and you just look at you look at Troy's career and everything that he's been asked to do for, for Montana State Bobcat. Uh, you know, it, his lore, the the myth of Troy Anderson will only be cemented if, if, in fact, they do slay the dragon. And, and uh, you know, you want to be the best, you got to beat, beat the best. And, and Troy Anderson, I, I believe, is the best football player to ever play at Montana State. I, I think that would be tough to deny, even though I, I see some of the names that are up there in Bobcat Stadium. Troy Anderson's the best all-around football player to ever play. That You know, between first-team all-league quarterback, first-team all-league running back, first-team linebacker, he's going to go play in, in the senior bowl. Um, you know, the kid is flat special, and he, but he's surrounded by some other special players too. You can't make a, a national championship run without, you know, ha- having a supporting cast. And, you know, like you and I were talking earlier, it would be incredible to see a guy like Isaiah Afonso get healthy and, 
you know, they, they need him, you know, and I, I don't know, I don't know what his status is right now. Um, I'm, I'm not inside the program and, and, uh, but I mean, the guy is, you know, somewhat cemented himself as the best tailback to ever, to ever come through MSU uh, with the kind of season that he had. And he, you know, he actually hasn't got to play, you know, full season with, with uh, the South Dakota state game and all. And, and he still holds the record, you know? So I just think it's, it's just a, any, listen, even if they, even if they don't beat NDSU, it's still a storybook season. Uh, I know they'll have a great following uh, down there. Probably not quite the same as as what'll be coming from Fargo. Um, I know, uh, you know, I'm I, I feel like I'm one of the the rarities around here not going to the game. Right. I got a conflict with my. I, I, I was gonna go. I mean, I had tickets, Coulter. I bought tickets before this before the semi game against South Dakota State, and my lovely bride reminded me that I was on daddy duty in Missoula for, for <laughs> right. my daughter's first uh, first gymnastics meet. You know, I was gonna take I was gonna take Jackson. We were gonna go be a part of it all so it's it's incredible i think it's incredible for the university it just shows you what i think what's gone on over here at montana state in terms of the growth and the building and you know wadded cruzado and and uh it's it's it is incredible you, you know bobcat grizz fan you know montanan okay montanans have got to recognize what, what what's happened here in the last year or two is, is pretty dang special and it, it will only be cemented with a national championship victory in, in frisco when I said this on the, the R&R podcast last night with, with Ryan Thornburg and Ryan Foley, and it, that was a cross-promotional deal. We'll have a, a version of that on Skyline Sports here uh, early in the week. Uh, but I, I my brother took such a phenomenal picture of Wadhead Cruzado, uh, it just in, in a moment of pure joy after Montana State had, had beat South Dakota State. And I thought it was very important for us to, to publish that picture as a standalone. I, I put it on Twitter and I, I put it on Skyline Sports, not as part of the, the arc of, of a football story, but because when you really break it down, when you really break down all of the amazing momentum that the city of Bozeman has and the amazing momentum Montana State University has and the fact that the, the football team is playing for the national championship and the women's basketball team has won the big sky three out of the last five years and as all of a sudden dominating the Lady Grizz and the rivalry and the fact that Danny Sprinkles got Montana State's men's basketball into the, the Big Sky Conference Tournament Championship game for the first time in 15 years last spring. At the end of the day, and, and Leon Costello deserves credit and, and you know, Jeff Choate and Brent Vegan and Danny Sprinkle and Trisha Binford and all their assistants and all these players and all these athletes it's Wadad Cruzado that has made this thing happen and I think that it's a great example to if you have unwavering and focused passionate inspiring leadership that's the key to success no matter what world you work in or live in and I think that she deserves all the credit in the world I think that she is an unbelievable figure in the history of the state of Montana well no question I mean they they in my mind, they've been fortunate to keep her around as long as they have. I mean, she, no question. she is, she has done, I think I said it earlier in the year. She, she's just, she's done more for this university and this community than I think maybe most uh, ever in, in the history of Bozeman. You know, she, she has built a, a fantastic, I mean, she didn't build it, but she's, she's definitely putting her spin and, and, and it's become, you know, an excellent university. I think Boeing hires more uh, Montana state grads than any other university in the country. Um, athletics are, are on the rise. The town is growing. I mean, you, you, I know you, you know what's going on over here. It's it's uh, it's incredible. And there's no doubt about it. You know, and I, I think it's great for the Big Sky. I think it's great for Montana. I mean, I know Montana fans don't want to hear that, but Bobby Houck's got things going in the right direction over there too, in my mind. So um, football is strong in Montana again, and 
not not that it's not been poor or bad it's just it's it's pretty special to see a montana school competing for it all again just the way we were in the in the late 2000s there and going back to backs and um you know like like i like i've said a bunch of times on on your show man you got to coach good play good and you got to have a little bit of luck and, and the stars got to line just just right for you and those things have happened and and uh I don't know. It's it's going to be a a special ending to a special year. Like I said, I, I, I mean, I I would love to see the Bobcats get a victory. If they don't, still a fantastic year. Nobody nobody should ever dispute that. It was a great run. One way or Let's touch on a couple things that led up to this, or at least were included in this run. I want to ask you two different things from th- that's happened over the last month or six weeks or so. First, let's start with the South Dakota State game. Uh, I thought that the first half, you're sitting there thinking, oh man, Montana State met their match just in terms of an offense that can move the ball up and down the field. South Dakota State did not punt in the first half. I mean, like during in the press box uh, at halftime, one of the main things that the sports information people do is they do participation. You know, the, the away team's SID will get to get with the uh, home team's SID and they'll, they'll say everybody that's participated in the game so far. And uh, usually you just, you know, you check off all the starters and then you try to figure out who else has played on special teams. And they randomly accidentally checked off the punter and then all of a sudden the SID from South Dakota State said, oh no, not so fast. We actually haven't punted. Our punter hasn't participated yet in this game. So you're thinking, man, you know, can MSU sustain a shootout? Can Tommy Touchdown, you know, go back and forth with uh, Christian Aludicon and all these great players for, for South Dakota State? And then the second half, stonewalled. Troy Anderson, a couple just bone-shattering hits. Daniel Hardy gets loose on the edge. He gets a couple sacks. They force a couple turnovers, and all of a sudden, they pitch a second-half shutout, and they win that thing going away. So just from a defensive perspective, what did you think of not just the adjustments, but also just the effort and the ability to rise to the occasion to close that game out? Well, a couple things. One, I thought that fourth down stop that Troy had was a tone setter. All right. No question. And actually, I, I, I was I was at that game, and I looked at uh, a buddy, and I said, I, I wonder if if the old fella uh, is going to regret that decision and not taking the points. Now, ultimately, it did not in terms of the way the game ended up. But I thought, just you know, and, I, and listen, if, if South Dakota State gets it, you're going, hey, great call. I mean, it's all it's always Monday morning armchair quarterback stuff. But I thought that was a tone setter uh, in that stop, and it just got the crowd. And, and I, I think you'd be hard pressed to say that wasn't one of the best crowds in. Bobcat history. I mean, it, it, they were juiced. It was it was a it was a great scene in Bozeman. And I'll be honest. And I think you and I talked about it before that game. I my biggest worry was South Dakota State had proven week in week out in the weeks prior that they could go on the road and beat good teams because they had to in the playoffs there. I mean, you know, with the most recent one at Villanova where they were down and they just kind of kept chipping and chipping and chipping. Next thing you know, it's not a game there towards the uh, middle of the fourth quarter. It's it's a done bond, you know? So um, I I think it just goes to the, speaks to the testament of of Montana state and and how they're built. And then, and then, you know, like you and I talk every week, just, just the way this team, this fan base, this, you know, this community is rallying around a, a freshman quarterback, you know, and I mean, Shoot, shoot the, and it helps that he's from Butte. I'll say that. But oh, baby, you know, boys from up top have already, already got a shirt shirt made for him. And uh, I'll be honest, Jack's Jack's just got one himself. You know, so it, it, it's been a special year. You know, the the week before that, going to Sam Houston and doing what they did to the number one team in the country. And like, and again, not taking anything away from the Bobcats, but it just looked like Sam Houston had ran out of juice after playing an entire spring season, getting right back into you know uh, essentially summer summer workouts and and uh, then into fall ball and it just looked like they, they they didn't look like the same team to me not taking anything away from the way the bobcats perform but yeah i mean just a nice run to get that first round by man it's it's whew, 
you don't have to get it, but boy, it sure helps just to just to freshen up your bodies and enjoy Thanksgiving, hopefully with your friends and family. And I think the the stars aligned properly for them to be getting an opportunity to leave here on. I think it's I think they're going down Wednesday. You said to Frisco to to try to to put a bow on it. Well, that's the other question I want to ask you is that the, the other part of the story that's going to linger forever in, our, in the conversations on talk radio and in, in the conversations at the corner of the, the watering holes and all that stuff is the fact is that regardless of what happens on Saturday, Montana State only lost to an FBS opponent to open the season and then to their rival to close the season. But people are going to continue to point to that Grizz game. I think it's going to be a litmus test for both programs moving forward because I do think, like you said, you know, it is good for the Grizz that the Cats are in the national championship. And I think that if the Cats win, I think if you're Bobby Houck, you can use that in recruiting. You can use that with your guys. You can say, hey guys, we whipped the national champion. Like We are right there. We are close. If we can you know, get this thing going, we can have a couple timing and, and, and injury luck things go our way. We could be right there too. So I do think that's that's one factor. But just, just the response from that moment. I mean, the meltdown that was happening for two weeks between Montana State's 29-10 loss in Missoula and their first or their second round playoff game against Tennessee Martin. I mean, you were hearing Vegan should be on the hot seat. Taylor Housewright should get fired. We need a clean house. Blah 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 blah. Now here we are, three wins later, and uh, MSU's going to Frisco. So, uh, what do you think of just the 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 this the crazy nature of the fact that 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 game is going to resonate uh, in our conversations and and in our analysis for a long time? I think. Well, I think that. I think that Brent Vegan deserves so much of the credit because in my mind, he made one of the most gutsy, ballsy decisions to sit a veteran type kid, a quarterback who was a, you know, FBS drop down and said, I think that this kid is what we need moving forward if we want to make a run. And to me, that was the decision right there that has, has, has given, given MSU that spark, that life. Because after, after getting shellacked like that against your rival, and, and they did not look good. I mean, we, no, they did I not. About it, that, that, I mean, nothing looked good. I mean, de- defensively, they finally looked like, you know, it, it was kind of like what happened with, with Georgia and Alabama. And then, you know, we'll see in six days what happens there. But, you know, Georgia's font, you know, maybe the best defense in college football history. But they got exposed, you know, similar to the way um, Montana State got exposed a little bit offensively they struggled they just did special teams it, it wasn't good I mean they had a you know the the fake block kick go for go for six you know so I think it was an eye-opener but like I said I for for the head coach to sit sit a guy that's been playing college football and, and an older kid to say I, I'm, I'm sorry but we're putting you on the bench and we're gonna go we're gonna ride this kid uh you know, like you said, in terms of the lore and the the storybook season, that that decision right there is the biggest one of them all, right there. Well, and then two more things for you, Ty, and then we'll get you out of here. Like one, to me, just in terms of the logistics and the matchup of this football game, a three week break's a long time. I know you've coached in national championship games, but that was back under the old format when there was sixteen teams and you would just roll through the playoffs right into the national championship game. I, my brother and I were actually reminiscing on that that Saturday, uh, December eighteenth, when uh, the Cats hosted South Dakota State. That was the thirteenth anniversary of Montana playing in its last national championship game in two thousand nine, Chattanooga, Tennessee. My brother was on that team, and we were reflecting like, wow. Wow, that's crazy, you know. Like back then, Brooks was an 18-year-old redshirt freshman, and and uh, n- now here we are, you know, adults with he's got kids and and all that. But but anyways, it, it, the 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 management of that long break used to not be a part of the equation. And to me, I think that the break can help you get some guys healthy. Uh, but also maybe it's hard to harness momentum for for three weeks without games. So I mean, what do you think of just the back and forth kind of the dichotomy of of the pluses and minuses of this three-week break leading up to this game? 
it, it, it's interesting, and you're, you're right. I only know one format, at least you know when the last time I made a, a long run like that, and it, it was. I mean, you didn't have a first round by. There was only 16 teams. You were, you know, you hopefully beat your rival, and here we go. So. Um, I can't speak on it. I think that it, it would be, you know, like you said, hopefully get some guys healthy, enjoy the holidays. You have some practices, you know, it's, it's kind of like summer workouts. The rest of the student body isn't around, which is kind of cool. You know, it's just you. It's you and your boys working out, getting your bodies right. And then obviously, you know, in, in these guys' case, they're, they're going to practice so they got to play the game. Um, you know, on a, on a worldwide level, especially national level, with, with all the craziness of COVID still, you know, and, and the article that came out today about, you know, if there's not X amount of healthy players to go play, then we'll move it a week. There, there's, there's just so much outside noise to me still and, and and I know that the I know that the Bobcats in particular are so veteran and and, and, and so composed and they've got great leaders you know I, I just I think this game's going to go off I mean kind of like you said before the show let's just get to Texas <laughs> let's just make sure we get everybody to Texas that's healthy and can go and let the chips fall where they do you know and, and so um, I, I, I don't know you and I you and I were talking it's like are we ever going to get out of this thing and the, the fact that the coaching change they decided not to play a season they decided not to play any games like like the Grizz did get into spring ball you know some schematic changes coach Banks has done an unbelievable job and, and you know uh, sadly because they're losing him but you know good for him he's 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 parlayed that into a nice opportunity at Colorado State I, er, earlier I was talking about some of those holdover guys and I forgot to mention Bobby Daly you know the, 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 the core of the guys that had been with this team and, and knows their personalities and, and knows what makes them tick I, you know obviously you got to bring in some new guys when you have a coaching change but I think keeping some of those dudes really helped in the transition and we're, we're playing football in January because of it. One last thing for you then, and I thought that this was one of the most special moments of of my career as a journalist, was the moment after the South Dakota State game and and watching Troy Anderson and Tommy Mallott take the stage together for the press conference and watching Tommy answer these questions like like a freaking 15-year pro, man, and watching Troy just sit back with his arms crossed, kind of nodding like a like a proud grandfather. And uh, it was this unbelievable moment in time. And I thought to myself, with as terrible as the pandemic has been and how much stuff it's just screwed up in all of our lives just relentlessly, that moment wouldn't have happened without the, the delay. And, and, you know, who knows? Who knows how any of this would have gone if there wasn't a, a pandemic? You know, Jeff Choke might still be the coach. Troy Anderson might still be playing quarterback. Who knows? There's all sorts of different scenarios that played out. But I thought that moment was this unbelievable passing of the of the guard, a passing of the torch from Troy Anderson to Tommy Mallott. And then I started thinking to myself, there's been some awesome stories in the sports world in Montana, and we've had, you know, Olympic gold medalists and, and uh, championship boxers and, and a great uh, many awesome athletes that have come out of our state and, and a great many awesome teams that have represented the state. And, you know, it's hard to really have much more of a lore than like those early 1990s Lady Grizz teams when they were making the Sweet 16 with rosters full of Montana girls or, you know, 
95 Grizz football with Dave Dickinson or, you know, the 84 Cats when they went 2-10 and 10 and then won the national championship and then won two games the next year in that moment in time. And, and you know, the, the guy that the statue out front of Bobcat Stadium symbolizes in Sonny Holland and all the things he accomplished, both as a player and a, a coach at Montana State. But I still kept thinking, I kept hearkening back to if the Cats can do it, if they can knock off North Dakota State, I, I think it's the greatest sports story in Montana of the modern era and, and among the great sports stories in the history of the state. And uh, I think that's pretty cool. And I think that no matter what you're rooting for or what you hope happens, I hope that everybody that listens to this can at least take some sort of pride in that, in the fact that th- this is a magical moment in time. And the fact that the two faces of this thing are are a couple kids from middle of nowhere, Montana. I mean, Dylan and Butte combined population of what, like 30,000 people. I mean, it, it's a, it, it's next level, man. The story, the story is so rich. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I guess it, we're getting, we're putting the cart before the horse. I still think it's, it ranks up there with any, any story ever at Montana no matter if they win or lose but uh, if they were to win and they were to topple this this juggernaut and uh you know if they do it in a, in a way where Tommy and Troy lead the way I mean that's hard to beat man that, that that would be a pretty unbelievable uh moment in time for for everybody that's ever had association with the state of Montana it is you're right and, and I'm, I know you're a Montanan and born and raised here and I, I am not but I've been here almost 20 years now and and yeah like, like you said I to, to to sit there as a journalist and listen to a freshman from from uh, from Butte, the wily old vet who is, I mean, his body has been battered, and he has battered a whole bunch of bodies uh, in doing so, and played a lot of different positions, and, and asked to wear a lot of hats. Um, it's a remarkable story, and you know, just on a football level, it's it just goes to show you too that that you know you, you can win a lot of games with with really great offenses, but defense, you know, those guys up front. And your defense has to be a bell cow to, to, to go compete for a championship and win it. And you're seeing it right now. I mean, you've got the, the, the first and second best defenses in the country squaring off. The offenses are relatively balanced, you know, with NDSU at about 33 points, I think, and, and, and Montana right at about 30. Um, it's, uh, you know, to me, this game is going to come down to defense and who can run the ball because you've got you've got a fantastic rush offense in both. You've got two great defenses. Will the stage be too big for the youngster out, out of Butte? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think anything phases this kid right now, and I don't think I don't think the older guys are going to let it phase him. You know, he might make some mistakes. He probably will make some mistakes. He's going against a great a great defense that has been there and done it. I mean, I, it, you probably know NDSU's roster better than me. I would imagine ninety five percent of that team has been to Frisco. Right. And, and so it's it's. It, it's a it's a fantastic story. You will have you will, you my friend will have a lot to write about uh, this off season and good on you because it'll be fun to read and you've got so many great storylines from from a fun season uh, in in Montana in the Big Sky and, and uh, yeah it's it will be fun to watch on Saturday. I, I, I wish the Bobcats the, the best of luck and they've got a lot of great great coaches and great kids and I know that I know that our community will represent them as strongly as they can which which is hard because like I said I I just I, I got to imagine NDSU just swipes up so many dang tickets before they even know they're going you know so um it's it's a wonderful story my man a great job by coach Vegan and staff great job by Troy Anderson and Chase Benson and Lewis Kidd and Isaiah Fonse and all those all those guys that came in four or five years ago that went through a lot of lumps man 
it was not easy to get here. And, you know, compliments to Jeff Choate and, and his staffs that, you know, really helped build this thing and compliments to Brent Vegan and his staff for getting it, getting it here and trying to, trying to go, you know, hoist that trophy in front of, uh, I don't know, hopefully, hopefully ESPN gets, gets a great showing and there's millions of people watching around the country. We, we know in our, it's a no brainer for the Dakotas and Montana and, you know, us rural folk, rural folk up here, but it's going to be an awesome show, man. I just hope MSU can go, go cap it off. Ty Gregorak, Big Sky Breakdown. Coach Ty, love talking to you, man. And uh, we'll catch up one time, one more time next week. What do you say? And uh, we'll see you then. Thanks so much for being with us. Would love that. I, I bet there'll be a lot of, lot, lot of awesome things to talk about, hopefully. So thank you, Coulter. You do a great job, man. And have fun down there. I know you're going. Alpine Touch has been part of the fabric of Montana for more than 60 years. Decades ago, Russell Street started selling his Touch of Magic in Whitefish. Years later, Alpine Touch's all-purpose seasoning remains a favorite. It's tailgating season, and there's no better way to spice up your grill before a Grizz game than with Alpine Touch. Go to alpinetouch.com now and use the checkout code ESPN10 for a 10% discount on your order. Alpine Touch is here to keep your mouth watering all football season. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. Well, it's my great pleasure for the third time this football season to welcome in a guy who's taught me a hell of a lot about football and a lot about life as well. It's Mike Kramer, a longtime Big Sky Conference coach, a guy who spent a couple stints, one as an assistant and one as the head coach at Montana State, but also had stints at Eastern Washington as well as Idaho State as well, and a guy who lived a life of football, very connected to the Big Sky. Krams, we appreciate you taking some time once again, and it's a big one, National Championship Week. How you doing? How you living? Well, number one, Goldie, great to be with you. Uh, this is always a lot of fun. It's awesome to see the Bobcats do so well uh, in the face of a lot of adversity. But they took advantage of some home cooking and playing you know, a nice home schedule during the playoffs other than a great, unbelievable win down in Texas to roll themselves back to Texas for the national championship game 37 years after uh, I was part of something like that. And so, hey, great luck to the Bobcats, and I, I think they'll do just fine. You have such interesting perspective on this because, like you mentioned, you were a defensive assistant at MSU in 1984 when Montana State went to the national title game and won it, their last national championship, and their lone Division One AA national championship. And then you were the head coach at Montana State from 2000 until 2006. When you first took the job, though, when you first came from Eastern Washington to Montana State, did, what did you think that the arc was going to be like? Because I think that a lot of people always knew Montana State had great potential as a university as well as a football program, and they've had such great tradition and success. But at that moment in time, the turn of the century, Montana State needed a little boost. And now here we are, more than 20 years later, and I think Montana State has is fulfilling what a lot of people, including myself, and I, mean, I think probably including yourself, thought that they could be. But what do you have you thought of just sort of the, the re-rise of the Bobcats here these last 20 years, culminating in now this season? Well, the one thing that Bobcat football's had, and I would say since I left, um, they've had strength in the, in the front, strength in the offensive front, and strength in the defensive front. Uh, when we got there in 2000, our front was not, not as good as it was needed to be, uh, especially in the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, we were going to be okay. But offensively, in our offensive line, that was going to take a while. Over a succession number of coaches since then, the Bobcat offensive front has really become a run-heavy, lean-on-you, powerful group of dudes that can hang out and, and be a force at the end of the ballgame. And the defensive front has just continued – it's long-standing legacy uh, of being a team that could maybe bend but always had some physicality to it. 
a kid always played well at home, but always respond emotionally to playing together. And you certainly see this in the 2021 edition. Uh, I, I think the the one thing that Brent has been able to do is he's been able to embellish, you know, part of that history, part of that defensive front history that came long before even I was an assistant coach at Montana State to make uh, Bobcat football responsive in terms of being able to stop the run and be able to run the ball. And so when you have the drama at quarterback, which the Bobcats have certainly had, not just this year, but with the loss of a, a couple transfers over the years before, it just seemed to mitigate the fact that they could not rise to the ultimate level uh, of football. Now, we thought we had a chance, of course, with Travis Lule, but we started to get banged up a little bit. We lost some games maybe we shouldn't have lost due to my poor head coaching. We ended up having to go on the road and play playoff games on the road year after year after year, and, and that just is such an uphill struggle that uh, it just highlights the fact that, uh, number one, this win that the Bobcats had down in Sam Houston a couple weeks ago, that is easily, easily uh, the most incredible win in the history of the program, and, and it's ultimately led to an opportunity to play here in January 8th. Mike Kramer joining us here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. And I want to ask you about that dynamic, Coach. I remember talking to you uh, throughout the years, but also talking to so many people that have been associated with Montana State football. You mentioned the tradition of the defensive front, and I believe that Montana State is the only team in the Big Sky that's had an All-American every decade since the Big Sky started in 1963, whether it's Gary Gustafson or Les Leninger or, you know, Bill Kohler, Brad Dawes, I mean, on down the line, all the great players that played for you guys like John Taylor and John Montoya, and then, you know, Dane Fletcher and Bobby Daly. I mean, we could go on and on and on and on, but it seems as if the best defensive linemen, or at least a, a couple of them, always play for the Bobcats. Why is that? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, it began with and ends with one guy, Bill Kohler. He was the number three player pick in the NFL draft. He was the most valuable player of the Senior Bowl back in 1973-74. So we're talking about a guy who established a pattern of what the level of excellence was going to be, and it just never slowed down. Even during the lean years, even when the years where we we couldn't stop anybody or, or, or couldn't win any games. We were still able to, you know, fashion some defensive linemen that could really have an outstanding year. And, of course, for us in 1984, uh, Mark Phillips had all the numbers, man, and, and rightfully so. He, he, he was in a position where he could rush off the edge and get sacks, and teams were maybe not as adept at, you know, spinning protection towards him because on the other side, Tex Sikora was also a guy who could rush the passer. And on the interior, Lonnie Burke and Troy Timmer were two guys who, A, stayed healthy, and B, they could always boil up the front also. So our combined interior four, including our linebackers, Greg Wilkes and Kirk Timmer, were about as strong and about as fearsome as you could be. And we stayed inordinately lucky in terms of injuries. Now, the same thing has happened to the Bobcats in, in 2021. They've stayed inordinately healthy in their defense front, particularly on the inside, where they've played very, very well. Of course, they have one of the most dynamic players in the history of the program, Troy Anderson. So uh, this, is not, this is not luck. This is not just a, a series of events where the dominoes all fell right. This has been pre-planned and preordained, and not just by Coach Cho, who who was on hand for the semifinal win, or or any of the other coaches in front of in front of uh, Coach Vegan, this is something that has been the legacy at Montana State uh, outside of outside of maybe a team that could also run the ball a little bit. So uh, I, I love the defensive heritage, the interior defensive heritage, and of course it'll come to the fore this Saturday. 
Mike Kramer here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. It's funny, Coach, because we've talked on the show several times throughout the year, and we've talked about dynamics and matchups and rivalries and all that stuff, but I haven't actually asked you about the guy you just mentioned, Troy Anderson. And to me, he is one of the most captivating figures I've ever covered, and it's not just because of his athletic and academic talents, but because of where he came from and where he's going and all that stuff. But what do you think when you watch number 15 at Montana State? Uh, He reminds me he's a defensive version of Cooper Cup. He's not the kind of guy who you're going to look at him and say, look at that dude, until you look at him really, really close. And then you watch his footwork, and then you watch the way he handles himself. You watch his balance and his coordination. You watch how square he stays to the line of scrimmage. You watch how he runs. And obviously, you can see why, over the years, the Bobcats were tempted to play him at quarterback or at running back or at tight end or a wide receiver because he certainly can do all those things he's got great ball skills but he also moves at pad level and he doesn't he doesn't hurry he doesn't run helter skelter he doesn't push himself out of position just because he has pretty good speed and 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 he just has a good sense of leverage to the ball as a linebacker should and i see nothing but a very very long career ahead for him he reminds me a little bit of leighton vander esch who played at boise state who came out of riggins idaho which is another small town uh troy was a you know all-around athlete a guy who could do a lot of things a pretty good basketball player so you know athletically he's not just a guy who's grown up in a big time high school program where all they did was lift weights watch video and go to you know go to football camps he's he's got a well-rounded athletic persona to him and that's going to blend in very well with an opportunity a at the next level but b it's also part of what will happen this saturday because the moment won't be too big for him because he's been on this stage, not necessarily at this level, but he's been on this stage personally uh, as a leader of the Bobcats for the last two or three years. No question. The fact that he's a you know perfect student and, and just this awesome kid, too, it just makes the story so awesome. It's so so fun to watch. Mike Kramer joining us here on Nuanas Now. Hey, Coach, I've told the different uh, versions or different elements of this story many times on this show throughout the years. It's one of my favorite stories that exists in all of college football, and that is the run that the 1984 Bobcats went on. But you tell it about as good as anybody, so you know maybe not the, the entire um, – you know, 30-minute version, but just take, tell people just about how unorthodox and crazy that season was, because you're talking about a team that won, I think, one game the year before and two games the year after, but bookended in the middle, a national championship, Montana State's last national championship, and you were on Dave, Dave Arnold's staff 37 years ago during that run. It's one of those storybooks you read to your kids at night. Yeah, the good guys won in the end, but in the beginning, man, it was a mess. And we lost our defensive coordinator at the later parts of July. We got a little bit of legal hassle with our head coach just before season opened up. And then not only that, we trailed in 10 out of 12 wins. The only two games that we led wire to wire front to end was Northern Arizona on November 10th, which had lost their head coaching staff that week and the national championship game, which was down in uh, Charleston, South Carolina against Louisiana Tech. Every other game was a come from behind. So at some point in the game, we had to rise up and come back. We won an overtime game against Reno. Uh, Jesse Jones took an angle pass across the middle, went 81 yards against Boise State. Uh, we went to Weber State early in the in the whole start of the run and blocked three punts, two for touchdowns. <laughs> Doug Kimball ran a punt return back for a touchdown. I think he's still running on his way back to do that. We went to Montana in Dornblazer, and we're head, we were behind 24-12 at halftime. And against Fresno State, a team that we had no business beating, they had, with no timeouts left, they threw the ball, which gave us a chance, threw the ball on third down, which stopped the clock, gave us a chance with a minute 22 to go to go the length of the field. And Kelly Bradley hit Joe Bignell down the middle versus a blitz for us to win. And that gave us a first-round bye. 
And not only did we get a first-round bye, we then played Arkansas State on a day when their plane was the last plane allowed in because of a snowstorm. And in that game, they scored the first two touchdowns of the game, and our defense was never even on the field because Kelly Bradley had thrown two interceptions, both returned for touchdowns. And we still came back and won 31-14. And then a week later, we trailed throughout against Rhode Island at home. And finally, a play that they had run in the first half for a touchdown, the double slant, our, our, our safety, Joe Roberts, understood that where the quarterback was going with the ball, and he, he didn't jump the inside slant. He jumped the outside slant, and the rest was history. And then to go to Louisiana Tech and play uh, against a very good football team, we were just, by now, we were so, I would say, punch drunk with luck, punch drunk with success. We couldn't even fathom the concept that they could gain an inch on us, let alone that they could stop us. And we actually kind of played that way. We played like, this is not really going to be a question for us. We had nine sacks. I think we had two or three interceptions. Uh, We forced a couple of fumbles. Uh, William Johnson blocked a punt. We did all the things in the national championship game that we'd done all season long to give ourselves an opportunity to win that game. And I just think uh, maybe that's the story here. 37 years later, nobody thought the podcast could go to Sam Houston and win. Nobody. No, not anybody except those guys. Well, they went to Sam Houston, beat the number one team, came home, played in front of a raucous crowd, a home crowd against the South Dakota State team, which maybe really, you know, could feel its oats a little bit better because they had been there, but the Bobcats persevered without uh, Ifonse at running back, and they found a way to be successful with a, a great young story at quarterback. And the humility that the program has up to this point Stead it very, very well down in Frisco. So a lot of similarity between 84 and 21. (laughs) It's just too bad. It took 37 years of dream to get there. Absolutely. Mike Kramer joining us here on Nuanas Now. I was going to ask you just about the dynamics, but you just said it, and I do think there are distinct dynamics uh, in a variety of different ways, uh, from the Montana flavor of the two teams to some of the elite pass rushers, Mark Fellows and Daniel Hardy, uh, spanning generations and, and sort of the elite talent that they have. And it is. It's a, it's, a, it's a fascinating story. But as you mentioned in the beginning, Coach, this wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the coaching decision by Brent Vegan to go with a true freshman from Butte, Montana and Tommy Malott. And Tommy's taking the world by storm. I think he's riding the lightning as hard as any player I've ever seen. But it's also just this spectacular moment in time because nobody believes in himself more than Tommy Mallott, and nobody believes in Tommy Mallott more than his teammates. And it seems as if he's even completely galvanized a locker room that was already close. And, you know, you watch Troy Anderson and Daniel Hardy talk about this kid, and they're just completely inspired by him. It's like the answer to their long-lost prayers that they've been searching for and striving for for a long time. So, I mean, I've never seen anything like this. How would you put this in perspective? Just a guy that never played a regular season game and now he's 3-0 and in the playoffs he's got as many playoff wins as anybody in bobcat history and he's never even played in the regular season well didn't we see this with robert redford in the natural <laughs> it's, a, it's a movie theme it's uh it's uh it's unprecedented it's fun to watch it's why sports are sports because the drama that is sports is nothing that's preordained it's nothing that you know you just can't make a hollywood movie that people would actually go see that's better than the real life of sports. And that's why we're so enthralled by it. Whether we'll have the ultimate happy ending or not is still to be determined. And I'm sure that the Bison are a little bit afraid of what the heck the momentum is the Bobcats have found under this kid at quarterback. And I'm sure that they will be in pregame. And this will be a fun part. Both teams will eye themselves, each other, in pregame. They'll look. They'll take a look. Well, how are they? What do they look like? I mean, really, what are they? Are they bigger? Are they stronger? Are they meaner? Are they tougher? Are they yelling? What's the story? And so (laughs) 
the good part about it is when the ball gets snapped and everybody reverts back to what they are. And it looks like Tommy Malat's a guy who's pretty damn good. Obviously, the similarities between he and Paul Dennehy, 76 national championship team, uh, are too many to be discounted. Both guys are very smart. Both guys are very savvy. Unfortunately for the Bobcats, Paul had a hard time staying healthy because they ran so much option with him over the course of his career after his sophomore uh, year when he led the Bobcats to the national championship. And let's hope that Tommy doesn't get run too much during the course of his career. He ends up a little bit broken down by the time you get a senior because my thought always is you run your quarterback, you better have another one because those guys are always in an exposed position because they are a combination running back and thrower. So when you open your shoulders to throw on any type of pass, you're going to take a pounding. So let's hope that uh, somehow the Bobcats find an alternative at running the ball next year. I think they could ride Tommy this year, and and hopefully he could be the kind of guy that has a dynamic day on Saturday that compels the Bobcats to be close to the end. Because I I think both coaching staff, both the Bison and the Bobcats, really have the same shovel. They're going to dig that hole, but they want it to be close at the end. They just want to be get us within five or six minutes to where we have a shot and have a chance, and we'll call it a good day. So that'll be fun to watch. Mike Kramer joining us here on ESPN Radio. It's Nuanas Now, coming to you around the great state of Montana on SWX Television as well. Coach Kramer, part of the Big Sky Conference for the better part of his life as a head coach at Eastern Washington, Montana (laughs) State, and Idaho State, and also an assistant on Montana State's 1984 National Championship team. And just a couple more things for you, Coach. One, I find that the the fact that there's a three-week break between the semis and and the National Championship, fascinating. And then you also add the dynamic that North Dakota State has navigated that three-week break nine times now. So they they have this thing down like a business, whereas Montana State has never done this before. So what's that dynamic like? Because, of course, you want to keep continuing the momentum like MSU has this entire playoff run. NDSU has more time to prepare, though, for Tommy Mallott, et cetera, as well as the Bison have just been here before. So what do you think of that element of this matchup? Well, I think the Bobcats have already mastered a little bit of time off um, having a first-round bye. So there was that time when they could concentrate on going to college. And then, of course, uh, during the playoff run, they had to do, they had to, you know, finish the semester and get finals out of the way. And then they had to think about how they were going to practice, where they were going to practice, because the weather can get pretty inclement. And then they had to figure out how they wanted to practice. Do they want to practice young guys? So there's so much time so we can get a little extended spring practice before we really start focusing on our game day prep. Because you, you know, what you don't want to do going into a long layoff like that is you don't want to practice, you know, have your best practices eight, nine, ten days before the game. That's not going to work. You need to have your have your best practice, by far your best practice, the Wednesday before the Saturday. And then on Thursday, you clean it up a little bit, and Friday, you goof around a little bit and travel. And, and by Saturday, you know, you're back to being, you know, as close to the razor's edge as you need to be. So the one area, though, that I think, you could really, really make an adjustment on your teams. And I know we did it in 1984, is you make sure that your kick teams don't get rusty or stale. We were led by, you know, two, a great, a really good kicker, uh, Mark Carter, but an awesome punter by Dirk Nelson uh, in 1984. And I see the Bobcats in their kicking game also having the similarities in their both their punter and their kicker in that they have been very, very good, and they can change the field and swap the field. And I, I would imagine that both the Bobcats and the Bison have spent a lot of time eating up the time in preparation for the game by making sure that their kick teams are exactly where they need to be. And that then, with the week before the season or the week before the game, you could go ahead and really concentrate on what you're going to do on first down, second down, and third down. 
And the dynamic also is that no one has ever had a run like North Dakota State has had these last uh, 10 or so years. And it hasn't just been because of one spectacular player. No, they've had four quarterbacks go to the NFL. It has and multiple <laughs> offensive linemen and linebackers and all that. It hasn't just been because of one coach. They've had multiple coaching changes, multiple staff overhauls, all of it. Yet here they are at a school that has only been Division One since 2004, but certainly had such unbelievable tradition before moving up to D1. But they've dominated this level of college football like no one has before, and I don't know if anybody ever will again. What have you thought just of the this? unmovable object, this juggernaut that has been North Dakota State these last 10 years? Well, let's face it. Every one of their national championships have been played on the road, so they travel well. Their fans go to the game, to all the games, and that's one of the attractive things it is for a player if you're recruited to North Dakota State in that, A, you've got a legacy and a heritage and an environment to live up to, but you also know that your fans' expectations are that, hey, we're going to Frisco. <laughs> so guess what? That's, you got you got to fulfill that duty. Every day you get out of bed, you pull on your socks, you pull on your bison socks, you're like going, okay, today we're doing something to go to the national championship, not win the Missouri Valley Championship, not win a playoff game, not do that stuff. Our goal is to end up for the at the national championship uh, game site with a chance to, to win the national championship game. And they've done it with in-state recruits, out-of-state recruits. They've done it with a variety of coaches from a variety of backgrounds, yet the mission has always remained the same. In, in fact, Colter, I, I will tell you this. Uh, it was in late 2005 or 2006, one of the guys who would go around the country selling, you know, say, scoreboards or video equipment to colleges, he sat in my office in Bozeman and said, you should see North Dakota State stuff. You should see what they got going there. And I was thinking to myself, well, now, wait a minute. <laughs> so whatever North Dakota State had that was attracting recruits, they attracted the right kind of recruits, the right kind of guys who can't have come into that program and lived up to the legacy uh, that was established through the building of maybe better facilities on campus, maybe better practice rooms or meeting rooms or locker rooms or weight rooms. And of course, the the heritage of the entire state, the entire region uh, is with you every single day. So like I, like I mentioned before, you get out of bed, you pull on your socks, you get ready to go to Frisco if you're a buyer. No question about it. Mike Kramer here on Nuanez Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. And Coach, we'll get you out of here on this. I mean, I love a great story as much as anybody. That's why I love talking to you because you're such a great storyteller. And this current run by Montana State is among the great stories I've ever seen. A, a, a pandemic and a coaching change and uh, a group of seniors that keeps a locker room together. And in the age of the transfer portal, they don't lose hardly anybody and everybody stays and everybody's playing their best football towards the end of their careers. And they get this magical moment where they get the semifinals back in their home stadium. And oh, by the way, it's all led by a kid from Butte America who just couldn't be more affable and more likable. And I just think it has so much richness when it comes to the lineage of the treasure state and what Montanans love about the game of football. That said, this story could be accentuated even more if Montana State could slay the Goliath, if Montana State could topple the Giant. And it just gets even more rich since these guys have lost in the playoffs to NDSU two years in a row, but now they get them in Frisco, Texas. So what do you think of just this game? What will it take for Montana State to write the final chapter of what is one of the great stories we've ever seen in Montana football? Number one, the Bobcats can't lose because they forgot how to. All right. <laughs> they're, on, they're on such a positive run that losing is how do you how do you lose a game? I'm what, what? That, that's that's something that just 
can't even fathom it. And again, you go back and you talk about COVID, transfer, NIL, all the changes that are going on in the sport, all of them happened to the Bobcats, all of them. In fact, to have your quarterback, your starting quarterback, transfer out on the eve of your first playoff game and still have a run of success, that has not been duplicated. I mean, if you look across the, the FCS level or the, even the, or the FBS level, you won't find a situation where your starting quarterback, who's took 99% of your leaves the program, and you get better? Really? Come on now. <laughs> so, hey, guess what? Everybody gets a good Christmas gift here this year. Uh, the story of Bobcat football in 2021, and we'll just see if we can ride this thing all the way to the opening of the package on January 8th. Mike Kramer, well, the best. Coach Grams, always love having you. Appreciate you taking time throughout the season to be with us, and uh, best of luck with everything. But uh, hopefully we cross paths soon, and thanks for being with us here today. Culture is always a lot of fun, and go Bobcats. At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond. Through Blackfoot sponsorships, local ambassadors, and public programs, we support initiatives such as the Emergency Broadband Benefit, Fiber Deployments, and Community Events. For information on our commitment to improving our communities with fast, reliable, and secure internet access, go to blackfootcommunications.com slash news. Well, happy now to welcome in a guy who's been a part of Montana State Athletics for close to five decades. Dan Davies, Associate AD there at Montana State, a guy who's filled a ton of roles and has joined us on the show before to talk some of the historical elements of Montana State as a whole, as well as the Montana State football team. Dan, first and foremost, congratulations on your pending retirement and also very cool for you that your last little work trip, it happens to be to Frisco, Texas. So thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, Coulter. 50 years, it's not quite 50, and I know you, that's what you said, but that makes me sound real old. But, yeah, it's been a great run here at Montana State, and uh, it's uh, something I'll cherish forever. Well, no question, and it's, it's been so awesome to, to follow and to learn from you, and I think that one of the best parts about MSU is, is just the history that exists there and how many different iterations of building and, and maintaining tradition that has happened. But uh, way back when, in the 1970s, when Sonny Holland was roaming the sidelines and the Bobcats were the king of the Big Sky Conference crop, that was such a, a, an awesome moment in time, and you were playing for the Bobcats back then. So what do you remember about those times? I mean, what do you remember just about uh, sort of in the mid-70s when, when so many different elements went into Montana State having such great success, including a couple of Big Sky Championships and the 1976 National Championship? Yeah, Coulter, I, I was so fortunate, so lucky uh, to be recruited as a walk-on by Sonny Lubick at the time, an assistant coach, and then, of course, the legendary Sonny Holland. I spent most of my time uh, on the on the on the practice squad or the we used to call it the meat squad the scout squad prepping our defense so i wasn't in the offensive huddle very often with the, with the offensive stars i i was lined up against the defensive guys on the scout team but it was it was a great time to to be a, a bobcat and be a, around all those great great coaches and all those great players and it's something you know that i'll always cherish and so many of those guys are still really really good friends of mine that uh, have stayed close and it's been uh, a very uh, a special part part of my life to be in, involved in that 
Everybody that's from around the state of Montana uh, has always, anyway, we all have great pride in, in the state in general, but there's also just this special aura about certain parts of the state. The Highline, I know where you're from, is, is definitely one that has some aura to it, but Butte, Montana has more of an aura than, than maybe anywhere else in Montana. And the fact that so many of those historical roots at Montana State can be traced back to Butte, whether you're talking about Jim Sweeney or, like you mentioned, Sonny Lubick, who was an assistant for Sonny Holland before taking over for Coach Holland. Um, I mean, there's so many different ties to the Butte area, and I think that it's it's so fitting and so cool that now Montana State has this quarterback from the Mining City, Tommy Mallott, who gets a chance to touch the statue of Sonny Holland before every single home game at Bobcat Stadium. And I think that there's it's just a sort of a connection from the past and the present and the future. So what do you think of that, Elma? Just the, the, the fact that so much of Montana State's history is steeped in the Mining City. Oh, that, I mean, Colter, that is so cool. Uh, th- that connection that goes all the way back. And, you know, it's it, you kind of get emotional with, you know, Tommy Mallott, you know, how, how important being from Butte is for him and, and, and being the, the quarterback at Montana State. But I don't want to go back too far, but when I, I landed on campus in 1975, uh, Sonny Lubick was about the only person I really knew very well. So we're at the dorm in Hedges South, and he goes, I'm going to get get you a roommate here. He puts me in with Pat Bolton, and, you know, an All-American, All-Conference right. kicker from Butte. And right next door was Bert Markovich and Kenny Verlanik from Anaconda. So those guys put their arm around me and, and, and embraced me and welcomed me to that part of it. I was always scared of Butte guys growing up. You heard all the stories, and they played on the Ranchy Field, which was you know full of dirt and glass and you know mud and uh, all, all that lore that you hear about. And then, of course, you got Paul Dennehy, and, and actually I saw Paul in the airport here this morning earlier today and uh because he was uh, he was talking about you know tommy touchdown tommy and so forth and i said paul the only thing the only difference in me other than you guys you went to butte central and he went to butte high is that he doesn't talk like he's from butte from the standpoint of you can understand him better so we had a good laugh about that this morning and and also i heard paul himself talk about that tommy throws it better than him so uh we we have that uh, that we had that discussion this morning, but you're right that that, that Butte lore goes way back and uh, it's so rich in history. It's so awesome. I was talking to Paul Dennehy yesterday as well, and that's another part of it that makes it so so much like this uh, this confluence of events, right? In 1976, Paul Dennehy was the quarterback from Butte, and so you know the ties just run so deep, and it is so fun to just think about all the connections and the stories and everything. And, and as our mutual good friend Bill Lamberty, sports information director there at Montana State, always says, Butte tells their story better than anybody. And I think that that's why the legend of Butte has resonated so much. Dan Davies joining us here on Nuanas Now. Dan has filled so many roles at Montana State over the years, from playing to coaching to working at athletic administration and also chipping in on the radio broadcast in a variety of roles as well. And so, Dan, from that perspective, I know you've been working on the sideline uh, this past season. This specific Bobcat team, what do you think of some of the dynamics of it? Because it's it's an incredibly veteran and senior-laden team, but also these guys, this is a special group. I mean, they have an elevated level of maturity and they're so fun to talk to, but from your seat, just observing these guys firsthand like you have now for 14 and going on 15 games what have you thought of just the dynamic of this team well as you know because you've done this sideline gig uh, in the past when i was up in the booth doing color you did that many times so you're you're around the sideline there and you can get the vibe and the feel of how things are going and the thing that 
has impressed me this year more than in past years is how calm things are. Now they get excited and they jump around and stuff, but there's never a, a panic type situation that I've that I've sensed being down amongst those uh, in the sideline in that team box area. Um, and you know that starts with the coaches. And Coach Vegan is uh, such a I mean, he's he's excitable, but uh, he doesn't get overhyped and he doesn't get underhyped. I think the the players really feed off that calmness and steadiness that he's got on the sideline, and that feeds on down to the coaches, uh, assistant coaches as well. On that, you know, from my perspective, just as somebody analyzing this stuff on ESPN Radio, I think that one thing that I've learned so much from this season is. You know, being around Jeff Choate for, for four seasons and about five years, he's such an inspiring guy. He's such an intense guy. I mean, I don't think he has anything but just, you know, fifth gear, 80 miles per hour all the time. Choate's always full of energy and, and coming at you full of fire. And uh, he, he had a distinct way of, of instilling that in his players. And when Montana State won under Jeff Choate, it was in that distinct fashion, just, uh, you know, kind of a backyard brawl. And, and they were always so tough and, and they won with such great enthusiasm. But I think what Brent Vegan has put on display and reinforced to me is that sometimes a steady hand is a key to success, and it seems like uh, that has paid so many dividends. I also think that the two young coordinators that Brett Vegan brought in, Taylor House right on offense and Freddie Banks on defense, those guys are incredibly talented guys, and I think that they have bright, bright futures in, in the coaching world, but just sort of the the dichotomy between a team that used to win with, with you know, fire and brimstone and, and choke getting everybody ready to run through a wall, and then parlaying into these guys sort of having this steady hand at the helm, I, I actually think it, it couldn't have gone any better. It's almost like that this is a perfect fit. It's almost like this is what these guys needed. Yeah, and you're you hit you're spot on, Coulter, with that that same observation. That um, there's I was talking to an old coach that is really good friends with Coach Vegan back in North Dakota. Hank Bijo used to be the head coach at Dickinson, and a, a veteran guy that I've known a long time, and he's friends with their family and so forth. But I, we were talking to that the first time head coach. There is no textbook. You can't read a book and say this is how you be a head coach for the first time. And it's such a, a feel feel out process. I mean, you not only have to manage the team, you've got to manage assistant coaches and coordinators for the first time. And that is very uh, a, a unique skill Coach Vegan has mastered in uh, with his first time as a head coach. And, and you need a few breaks here and there, and there's a there, that, that's happened this year, but they've had some adversity too, and they've been able to get through that. But I've always admit, uh, admired first-time head coaches and, and observed on how they manage their program and you hear about Nick Saban talking about the process and all that stuff that's part of it but man the first time that you're sitting in that chair uh, it's it's a different deal and you're, you almost feel like you're on an island because you have to to manage each and every aspect that program and it, and that's where your your key assistant coaches come in and uh provide guidance and support for you and uh you're right going back to taylor and, and, and freddie uh they've been a great support role for coach vegan and uh it's it's fit in beautifully thus far. Dan Davies, Associate Athletic Director for Montana State, as well as longtime radio broadcaster covering Bobcat football, joining us here on Nuanas Now. It's ESPN Radio as well as SWX Montana Television. We're recording this on a Wednesday. Dan's actually at the Bozeman Airport, getting ready to, to board the plane to go to Texas. And uh, 
Dan, I want to ask you about some of the parallels because you know, we talked about the Butte roots, but for so long, uh, the playoff format at the, the non-Division 1A level was so awesome because oftentimes the team that was playing the best, the team that was the hottest team, had a chance to make a run and do it. And I know that that was certainly the case in, in 1984 when Montana State caught lightning in a bottle and raced to the national championship, but we've seen it across this level for so long. And the only reason it hasn't been as prevalent of a narrative this last 10 years is because North Dakota State basically just sets up winter camp in Frisco, Texas and just has dominated this thing for the last 10 years. But before that, it was almost always the team that was the hottest had just as good of a chance as the team that was the favorite. And uh, this Bobcat team now has an opportunity to reignite that narrative. But uh, you had a firsthand view of the 1976 Bobcats and the 1984 Bobcats. Do you see any parallels? Is there any similarities between these teams, even though they are, you know, decades apart? Well, there's two things, I think, um, Coulter, from the standpoint is that uh, there's a, a common thread of, you know, leadership kids from Montana that uh, have, have kind of taken on the leadership role. And that happened, in, obviously, in 76, but it, it certainly did with the Mark Fellows and, you know, the Tex Sikoras and uh, Lonnie Birch, T- Troy Timmer, uh, just on the defensive line alone, and Kirk Timmer there, and, and uh, th- those guys that uh, kind of led, led the defense. And, and you know, Tommy, Tommy White's not from Montana, but I kind of claim him as a Montana guy, but you know, Joe Bignell and uh, Brent Bateman and Kelly Davis and Darren Dietrich was another one of those receivers there, but he was from Washington. But there's just a, you know, uh, a good uh, smattering of Montana guys that uh, have played against each other in their high school careers. And now they're playing alongside each other. So uh, I, I think that's a common thread. And then with this you know, 2021 team, there's the same kind of element there that those guys really uh, unite together and play for each other. And and I think that's really, really a cool uh, common thread that goes through all three years. The other interesting thing I thought back in, in 1976, you know, the Bobcats knocked off Hawaii at Hawaii at the last game of the year, you know, a division one opponent to propel them into a, a good seed. The same thing happened in 1984 when knocked off Jim Sweeney's uh, squad down in Fresno and uh, got to buy that first round and got to host two, two first-round uh, games in the playoffs. So th- those are kind of some common things that, that I've observed to this point. And as always, anytime you have a successful team, even a team with a winning record, let alone a team with a championship or a team that makes a playoff run, it's going to take great talent, but it's also going to take great leadership. And I think that this group of Bobcat guys, particularly the seniors that have been around for, for longer than almost any group in school history, they deserve a ton of credit for keeping this thing together uh, as we've had such a, a tumultuous time just as a, a as a, uh, I guess as a, as as people in general on the planet Earth, let, let alone just in America or even in Montana or even as college athletes. But one guy who has been peerless in that element and just being the face of Bobcat football, uh, quite literally since the day he stepped onto camp. Uh, out of Dillon, Montana, is Troy Anderson. And so, Dan, I know you've seen a lot of Bobcats, uh, but it's it's got to be a surreal experience to know that Saturday is the last time any of us is going to watch Troy Anderson in a Bobcat uniform. That's going to be a sad day, isn't it, Colter? <laughs> it's going to be so sad. I was thinking yeah, that after the, the yeah. South Dakota State game. I said to Troy, I said, I truly can't believe this is the last time you're going to be sitting up here, so I can't imagine how you feel. I was like, I'm truly sad that you're not going to be sitting here at a post-game <laughs> press conference ever again. It's wild. Yeah, no, you're there. There are those guys don't come around very often, and God, is the Bobcats. We're so fortunate to have him involved in our program. He leads in so many ways. From the you know, the, just starting with the academic type 
side side of things. But Colter, I mean, you never have you ever seen you know MVPs on both sides of the ball type situation? You know? I mean, never. Um, One of the great moments in the of what? this show this year is a Casey Keeler, Sam Houston's head coach, was on with us leading up to the quarterfinal game, and and he said, "Hey, I remember you. You've covered Montana State for a while." I said, "Yeah." I said. Uh, you know, I've covered him for about 10 years now, and he says, you got to tell me the story of number 15. He said, I know the, the cliff notes, but you got to tell me the actual story. So I start telling him live on the radio, and, and he's like, I've never heard anything like that. I, I mean, I don't think anybody has. No, it's it's a, a story that won't be rewritten, I don't, maybe ever. Um, we, we've witnessed history here, and, uh, you know, I hope I hope we get another guy like that at some point, but it's uh, it, it's remarkable when you sit down and just see what he's done, you know, for this program and the sacrifices he's uh, has given up for for the Bobcats. But when, as you know, with being on the sideline, it, the, the game speeds up down there for someone that's just watching, and you got to keep your head on a swivel so you don't get hurt. But you see him close in on guys; you, they think they've they've got the angle, and it's uh, they have to think think again because he's going to be breathing down their neck before they know it, and they don't even realize it until it's too late. It's incredible. It's incredible to watch every element about him. Dan Davies, Montana State Associate Athletic Director, joining us here on Nuanas Now, talking some memories. And Dan, last couple things for you. First, what do you think of this matchup? Because Montana State has cap momentum uh, as much as any team I've ever covered, and watching them just surge in the playoffs with this awesome freshman leading the way at quarterback and just how much it seems that the, the older guys on the team just love Tommy a lot and they're so glad that he's a part of this this run. That element's been so fun and fascinating to, to cover and observe. But on the other side now, you got Goliath, you got the Gladiator, you got the Juggernaut, one of the great dynasties in all of college football history awaiting Montana State. But it also seems fitting that perhaps the last chapter to what has been this storybook run could be Montana State finally getting over the top against NDSU. So I know these two schools and these two programs have a ton of history. I mean, Montana State beat North Dakota State in the semifinals of that 76 playoff run before then winning the national championship. So what do you think of just the, the matchup that is with the Bison awaiting Montana State in Frisco? Well, just for the record, and you know this, but uh, that I wasn't at that, that playoff game in 1976, but that was obviously before the Dome. And I remember those guys coming home and talking about how cold it was, talking to Paul Dennehy and Butch Damberger and all those guys that it was a cold, windy, you know, blustery afternoon there in Fargo. And one of the one of the elements that that has been so prevalent for North Dakota State all these years is all those playoff games. And Montana State has suffered through two of those out there, you know, 1918 or 2018 and 19. And the one element now to get the bison away from that dome and play them on a neutral field, I think that's going to make a difference. You know, Montana State, we've got to take advantage of that and uh, get them on a neutral field, even though there's going to be a lot of uh, bison fans in there, but there's going to be an equally amount of Bobcat fans at that stadium. But uh, I, I think there's some lore about uh, that Fargo dome and, and how tough they are to beat there. No question about it. Montana State takes on North Dakota State, Frisco, Texas. Kickoff 10 a.m. Montana time, 11 a.m. local time from Toyota Stadium down there, uh, just about 20 miles outside of Dallas. And Dan, we'll get you out of here on this because I know that you have given so much of your life to, to Montana State. I know it's meant a great deal to you, and I'm sure this is such a, a great way for you uh, to sort of end your career as as you as you uh, as you stride into retirement. It's so awesome that you get to have one last trip with all the marbles on the table. But I mean, to some 
sum it up for us. This must be incredibly cool for you on a personal level that, that the last thing you get to participate in, the last broadcast you get to do, at least as a full-time guy there at Montana State, has has to do with Montana State gunning for it all, going for a national championship. Yeah, I mean, Coulter, I, I pinched myself uh, every day here for the last six months when I was kind of making these plans. Obviously, you know, there's you have a hope and a dream that there's going to be another national championship, but until it gets here, I mean, it, it's just flown by on how this these last two months or this whole football season for that matter, but I, I've been so blessed and fortunate to be around such obviously great players and great coaches and great administrators and student athletes, you know, that uh, uh, just, just truly blessed and uh, it's it's going to be real uh, interesting and mixed feelings that I'm not going to be going to the field house to unlock my office door because my keys I'm not going to have my keys anymore. But um, just just truly remarkable uh, group of organization that I've been uh, fortunate enough to be a part of. And and uh, again, and I you know I kind of consider myself kind of a quasi media guy and, and appreciate all the things that you guys do. Uh, and your job is not always easy. And uh, you have to ask the tough questions, and you know you you can you can get those coaches to bristle once in a while because they they're a little bit uncomfortable. But to do your job, you've got to ask those questions and and uh, and try to get those answers from those coaches. So I appreciate everything you guys do uh, in your in your roles as well. A big big part of it, and and I'm so impressed, Coulter, for all the research that you do. I mean, I think I've been around on, and know a lot of different things, but you touch on a, a lot of uh, different human element stories or part of the story and. And uh, I've really appreciated the work that you do. Well, thanks so much for the kind words. That means a ton to me, Dan. And uh, I've always had a lot of respect for you and, and your organization, everything you guys have done. I think you do it right. And uh, this is a great peak and a great and a great send off for you. So I appreciate you. Congratulations on an outstanding career. We'll be so looking forward to seeing you down there in Texas and so looking forward to this football game. But in the meantime, thanks for being with us here and safest of travels on your way to Frisco. Thanks so much for being on Nuanas Now. All right. Thanks, Coulter. We'll see you down in Frisco. Alpine Touch is legendary around the state of Montana for providing delicious seasonings for every grilling occasion. Now Alpine Touch offers so much more, from a savory new barbecue sauce to spicy pepper blends to tasty barbecue rubs. In addition to the classic, Alpine Touch has a variety of seasoning salts for whatever you need to spice up. Now that the holidays are over, Alpine Touch makes a perfect thank you gift to show your friends and relatives you love them. Alpine Touch, available at retail locations around Montana or online at alpinetouch.com. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. 